Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, Susan and I were away in South Carolina last weekend, where the temperature was about 85 degrees higher than it was here yesterday. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's wonderful to be home and have the uh, privilege of bringing some thoughts to you this morning. I want to begin by reading to you part of a poem written in 1978. God only knows, God makes his plan. The information's unavailable to the mortal man. We're working our jobs, collecting our pay, believe we're gliding down the highway, when in fact, we're slip sliding away. Slip sliding away, slip sliding away. You know, the nearer your destination, the more you slip slide away. Anybody recognize that? Any uh, Paul Simon fans in the audience? Uh, I'm sort of a fan of Paul Simon's music. I like his music and uh, it's often full of sort of interesting spiritual allusions. He makes no claim himself to having any spiritual strength or faith or anything else. Although in one interview he said he spent an hour talking to John Stott, the great Anglican theologian who's quoted in our bulletin today, but even that didn't penetrate into him, I guess. And I thought of this song because uh, it's a really popular song, but it also is a really popular attitude, isn't it? There's nothing but this life. It's meaningless. Whatever you're doing, slip slides away. And he says in this verse, God only knows, God makes his plan. The information's unavailable to the mortal man. You agree with that? Isn't the information very much available to the mortal man? In this book we call the Bible, hasn't God revealed his plan to us very completely in the Bible? and fulfilled it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And if you open a pew Bible to uh, page 503, or open your own Bible to the Psalms, you'll come to Psalm 105, part of which we heard today. But if you look in the Bible, you can see that it's very long, and there's a long recitation of God's plan and God's history of how he saved his people. And it's interesting, isn't it, that this very same psalm, word for word, is in First Chronicles chapter 16, in the mouth of King David. So we know for sure that this is one of the psalms that David himself composed. And it's a confident celebration, a recitation of God's plan of how God was faithful to his people and redeemed his people and stuck with his people despite their not deserving it. And if you go to the end of it, you'll find that uh, it says at the end of Psalm 105, so he brought his people out with joy, the chosen ones singing, and he gave them the lands of the nations and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. 
Praise the Lord. And you may remember, of course, in Luke's gospel, Mary, when she sings her song of praise, she recites that God is fulfilling the promise that he gave to Abraham, our father, and to Isaac and Jacob. Jesus himself is careful to point out that he is the fulfillment of the prophecies and the plan that God has for us. Remember the time when he was in the temple, the synagogue, in his hometown of Nazareth, and they give him the passage of Isaiah that talks about the coming of the Messiah. And he says, today, in your hearing, the scripture is fulfilled, fulfilled in him. So we Christians rejoice in a very different understanding from this nice little song. It's a great song. I like it. But if you think about the lyrics and even the ones that precede what I read to you, they're pretty, pretty down, pretty grim, pretty fatalistic, pretty hopeless. Uh, you might even say, if you were a philosopher, nihilistic, that life has no meaning. And without Christ and without faith in God, that's where you end up. That's where you end up. If this is all there is, what meaning does it have? There's another old song, Is That All There Is, sung by Peggy Lee. And when the chorus goes, if that's all there is, then let's just keep dancing. Because there's no point. It's very sad. It's very empty to think of the world, to have that world view, but so many do. But for us, life has meaning. Life has hope. God has a plan for us that he's made known to us and shown us. Our gospel today shows the same thing, doesn't it? The story of the householder who hires workers to go out into the vineyard. And the ones who finish the day get the same reward as the ones who began in the beginning. The last shall be first. So any person who comes to faith in Christ, whenever they come to that faith, is as much a child of God, as much a citizen of heaven as anyone else. God's made an everlasting covenant with us. He's faithful to it. We know that we can trust it. God has a plan. Not only God knows the plan, we know the plan. And we can embrace that and treasure it and live in it. So, like King David recites in Psalm 105, think about that. Think about the history. This psalm goes on to talk about how the people were unfaithful, turned their back on God, and yet God never gave up on them. If you read the Old Testament again and again, it's the same story. God is faithful. The people uh, turn to idols, false gods, worship idols, and he redeems them. There's a lot of hope for us in that, isn't there? Because, you know, we're fallen, we're frail, we backslide, if that's the right term. Uh, we forget about God. Many people who profess to be Christians live a, a life, you could say, of practical atheism, where it doesn't seem to make any difference in their lives. Does it make a difference in your life? 
I ask myself, does it make a difference in my life? Do I live like a person who really believes not in God, but believes what God has taught us and told us? Psalm 105 recites that. Our gospel recites it. My prayer for all of us today, myself included, is that we'll believe God, trust in him, and trust in the plan that he has for us, a plan for good. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, the plans for good, not for calamity. Let us trust in that. Amen.